So uh, I apologize for that interruption to our worship service. Uh, I should explain, as some of you have no idea what's going on. Um, many, many years ago, I think you and I were actually roommates at the time, weren't we? We were. And uh, I don't recall asking you if this was a good idea. You did not. I did not. Um, it might have turned out very differently had I sought counsel. Um, but I was with a youth group in Houston, and we thought it would be a good idea to take some biscuit dough and throw it out the window of our car uh, and and try to hit oncoming vehicles, which is not a good idea. Don't do this at home or anywhere else. Uh, and... The and you police, gave them two rules. We, 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 we don't want to go into all these details. <laughs> so the police officer whose brand new pickup truck got hit by biscuit dough did not think it was funny. And I spent the majority of that evening in a jail cell. And so um, that's that's the full extent of my criminal history. I just want you to know that. Uh, I was charged with criminal mischief, I think it was, and uh, and the boss's son had just turned eighteen. Yes, he I had. Some time I had. You. I had two of my boss's sons in the car with me when we were pulled over, and uh, he had just told me the fr- he hired me on Friday. This was Sunday night, so I, I hadn't even been there for a- Saturday. He asked me, "So, what do youth pastors do?" <laughs> That's right, I did. I said. Well, teach the Bible and play some games. And he said, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I had accepted the job, and then I came home to our apartment, and I'm like, hey, Rob, wh- what do youth pastors do? Like, what what have I gotten myself into? But the last thing my boss said to me on Friday after he hired me was, I just want one thing from you in this ministry. And I said, what's that? And he goes, I want you to make this fun for these kids. And I'm like, I think I can do that. And then Sunday night as he was picking up his son's from the juvenile detention holding cell at the jail, he had a few revisions to that <laughs> job description for me. But it all, it ended fine, and I didn't get fired, which is miraculous in and of itself. And so here we are. I want to introduce Rob to you. Uh, Rob and I uh, grew up in the same neighborhood, and... Rob's parents were like second parents to me. I could go over there anytime. Uh, your mom still gives the best hugs ever. Just a beautiful soul. Um, and we had, in our neighborhood, we had three little lakes. I grew up in Houston, so the developer had to drain the swamp somehow, and so he made these lakes, and then the, dried out some land. He built some houses. And I, we were in those lakes all the time. All the time. And uh, so we grew up fishing and uh, catching snakes and turtles and otherwise getting into mischief. Can you imagine how much fun it was to grow up with Tom Masterson? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say this as I, as I leave this in Rob's hands. Um, so today, is the, well, this is the weekend of my 50th birthday. I turned 50 yesterday. And I asked Rob for my 50th birthday if he would come and bring God's word to us. So uh, this one's for me, but I have full and total faith in the Holy Spirit to be able to do his work to make his word relevant to you and your heart as well. But uh, thank you for being here. And I'll say one other thing, which may 
you know, this may not end well, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about two years older than you are. Yes. Okay. And so Rob spent much of his childhood kind of looking up to me and, which is a dangerous, terrifying thought really as I stop and think about it now. But I'll just say this, Rob's faith was absolutely central to God's work in my own life. And and so as he was uh, maybe following me around as we were kids, uh, I didn't know it, but I was really following his example. And as he moved into ministry about the same time I did, um, it was uh, just, I can't explain the, the, the strength of faith that you have brought into my life in your presence and friendship. So, I got you. I love you. All right. Love you too. Thank you. You got this? I do. Okay. Perfect segue because we rub off each other. We, we're constantly forming and shaping one another. Iron on iron. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I've learned so much from Tom. He's, uh, his grace and his generosity, the way he shares all that he is and all that he has, and he's, he's, well, he's willing to, to pour out for anyone and anybody, it preaches to me all day long. And the whole biscuit thing ties into exactly with what I wanted to bring. Can you bring me down just a little bit? This Christian faith, what we do, how, how we walk it out, it's not supposed to be safe. It's not supposed to be sanitary. It's not supposed to be pasteurized and prepackaged and institutional. It's just not supposed to be. And what have we done? We've taken this amazing good news, this life-changing, world-transforming uh, sacrifice of Jesus, and we've kind of made it neat and tidy. And we've, we've taught generation after generation that being a Christian is about being a good little boy or a good little girl. And it's not. Being a new creation in Christ Jesus is about being on this radical adventure every day, 24-7, listening to the voice of the Father, pressing into the Word, moving out as He directs, doing what? Loving, blessing, serving, healing in His name, pushing back the darkness, being salt, being light. And I know Tom Masterson well enough to know that this is what's going on in Hope Church. That y'all are building relationships outside these walls. You're walking it out. You're living it. And I just want to say, well done. If I can do anything at all today, it's not going to be teaching you so much as it's going to be an, an encouraging word. So let's pray. Lord, we bow before you. We're in agreement. You are awesome and holy and just. Your name is above all names. Thank you for giving us life. Thank, thank you for calling us to yourself and opening our, opening our eyes to your good news. Thank you for meeting us where we are and never leaving us in that place. Would you open your word to us right now? Would you encourage us with your word? And would you get the glory? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Some of you may have Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. And what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about seeds of the kingdom. And he's telling a group that's gathered 
by the lake. He says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he's now preaching to the crowd on the beach. And he told them many things in parables saying, one of these stories went like this. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, and they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Jesus said, he who has ears... Let him hear. It's a familiar story to so many of us. He goes on in verse 18, thereabouts, to to explain what this whole parable of the sower is about. And he says that the the sower is essentially sowing seeds of the kingdom. And and the, the soil represents the heart of the people that hear what's being sown. And, and he kind of talks about the, the different stages and the different places. And, and, and I hope this is familiar to you. That there is hard path. And those seeds are immediately just grabbed by the enemy. Birds swoop down and take those seeds. There's that rocky soil. And, and it's hard to get stuff down into the rocky soil. There's no depth of soil. There's no opportunity for roots to grow. And whatever grows there is, is quickly lost. There's the thorny soil. And, and that's the soil that just has the things of the world just kind of growing up within it. And that heart is putting up with things of the world and allowing it to choke out whatever seeds of the kingdom are being distributed. And then there's good soil. And that's going to take the seeds of the kingdom. It's going to bear good fruit. And as you hear this story, think about it. Why in the world would this sower be casting seeds in places where it's not going to grow? You know, sometimes these stories become cliche. We hear them in Sunday school or we hear them over and over again and we kind of know where, where it's going and we kind of skip ahead. But I want you to just stop right where we are and think about it. What's going on with these seeds? Why are they being sown in places where they're not going to grow? Being literally on the pathway. Up in the thorny corner where the, where the tractor can't get to. How about on the rocky soil that hasn't been prepared? It's, it's not ready. What's going on? And we could, we could just push back and say, well, you know, we're talking about first century farmers here. Maybe they just don't know what they're doing, right? But that's not the case. The, this was an agrarian society. These guys, they knew more about farming than, than most of us will ever know. They knew how to terrace hills. They knew how to prepare land that was harsh. To produce good fruit. They knew how to rotate crops. They knew how to bring in fertilizer. They knew how to till and irrigate. They knew what they were doing. So what's going on with the seed? Second thing we need to consider is just what are these seeds of the kingdom? And around verse 18, Jesus starts to explain it. And it's pretty clear that these seeds... Are, are seeds that allow the kingdom to be made manifest. Are we talking about the word of God here? Answer, yes we are. We're talking about the word of God. And everything that goes with it. Everything that's in the word of God that brings life. 
We're talking about love. Not, not weak love. I'm talking about strong, self-sacrificial love. We're talking about mercy. We're talking about grace. We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about truth that transforms lives that, that takes us to places we would never dream we could go. These are the seeds of the kingdom. And what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, I think he's saying, let me tell you about my daddy. Let me tell you about this crazy farmer of a daddy that I've got. And he's sowing seeds all over the place. As if he has this endless seed bag. And that's what he's about. He's about casting these seeds of the kingdom. Love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, truth. All over the place. You know, there's, there are times that this particular passage is preached in a peculiar kind of way. And I've heard it, I'm sure many of you have heard it preached in this way too. Where it's preached like this. The seeds of the kingdom are so precious, don't waste them. Don't just scatter them wherever. They're not going to produce anything. Focus in on good soil. You've got to know the soil that you're, you're speaking to, the, the, you're spending time with. Invest in these people. And I think that's from the pit of hell. I think what Jesus is saying is, if you're going to be a part of this work that the Father's called us to, you're going to be reaching in that seed bag, wherever you are, casting love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, truth. And as Jesus is doing it, he's modeling it. What has he done? He's gathered up around him a group, a crowd of people. There are three ways to follow Jesus. In, in Scripture, we'll see three different groups of people following Jesus. You'll have the religious elite. They're, they're following for their own purposes. They're either trying to make themselves look good, or they're trying to trip him up and bring him down. They're following for selfish reasons. Then you have the crowd. The crowd is all over the place all the time. They see all of the miracles. They hear all the truth. The crowd, they're in the mix. But their hearts are never changed. They're just showing up for the show. Crowd follows at their own convenience. Then there's a third group, disciples. Disciples have said, I've got nothing. He's got everything. And they follow because there's no other place to go. They're fully invested. And what we see Jesus is time to time, he's, he's pulling away with his disciples. And he's investing in those guys, but... More often than not, he's reaching in that seed bag and he's sowing seeds to the vast crowd, investing in them. Tom was mentioning in his biscuit uh, illustration, Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And, and we're all familiar with those I am statements where, where Jesus is explaining who he is. I am resurrection. I am life, he says. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And every time he says that, what he's doubling down on is he's doubling down on this understanding that what he's calling us to is incarnational ministry. Here's what it looks like. Jesus could teach us in any way he, he wanted to. But time and time again, what Jesus chooses to do is to roll up his sleeves and jump right into the middle of what we're doing. From the time he's born to the time 
of the ascension. Jesus is investing in others. He's jumping into the middle of what they're doing. He doesn't say, let me tell you about life. He says, I am life. You're going to find it incarnationally in me. He doesn't say, let me point you to the way. Others have come and said, point, pointed to the way. He says, I am the way. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. This incarnational ministry, church, this is what he calls us to. To, to jump in relationally, investing in others, and sow these seeds of the kingdom. And what, is, what does that look like? Again, if, if we're living this, this Christian life the way the Lord has called us to, what he has for us, it's never going to be safe. It's never going to be pasteurized and sanitary and prepackaged. It's going to be messy. That's what I like to say, that, that Christianity literally is a full contact sport. You're going to get bumped and bruised. You're going to get knocked down. And we get right back up and we jump back in the game. Loving, blessing, serving, forgiving, extending ourselves to others. Reaching out, building relationships. Not with the people it's easy to be with or we necessarily want to be with. But those people that perhaps are harder to be with. Folks that wouldn't come to church on a Sunday. You can have it, they'll say. I don't need it. I've been there. I've done that. Or that's just not for me. And what are we doing? In the middle of the week, we're sowing seeds, loving, blessing, serving, incarnationally. That word simply means putting on flesh, jumping in the middle of it with others. People talk about the church these days, and I hear it all the time. I know some of you do too, that it's hypocritical, that's legalistic, that I tried that, I just don't want... And, and people haven't seen the real church. Y'all have it. Y'all are the real church. Loving, authentically, serving, blessing, reaching out beyond yourselves. What does that look like? I got three things for you. Number one, you have to have intentional opportunities. And by that I mean you've got people that the Lord's put on your heart. And you write their names down and you're praying for these people. Lord, give me an opportunity to love this one. Give me an opportunity to have relationship with this one. This one is lost as can be. Give me an opportunity, Lord. Pray for these people. In our church, we have five on our heart. Just, just give me five people that I could be praying for and reaching out to. You know what happens? He does. He gives us opportunity to reach out, to, to be salt, to be light. To sow seeds of love and forgiveness and joy and mercy. Secondly, we need to be willing at any given moment to step into an opportunity as it presents itself. Like drive-by kingdom opportunities. Like when you're in the Walmart and you see someone that is visibly distraught. And you got a couple of different paths you could take. You could just say, walk on by. You maybe say a silent prayer as you go. Or maybe you could come up to that person and say, I don't know you, you don't know me, but are you okay? What, what does the Lord do with situations like that? Can I pray for you? Again, in, in, in my church, we we throw out a phrase that 
It's hard to say, but the more you say it, the easier it gets. Something like this. I believe in a God who blesses. How could I pray for God to bless you? And you know, a lot of people in a restaurant, in passing, they might just say, thank you very much, that's great. And then sometimes they'll loop back around. Well, you could pray for my marriage. Thank you. You pray for my son, really struggling. I believe in a God who blesses. Do you believe in a God who blesses? How could I pray for God to bless you? I was serving a church in Mobile, Alabama, and there was a McAllister's on the corner, and it kind of became our McAllister's. And I, I can remember folks that were working there, and I, I, I told just about all of them that kind of that one liner, hey, how can I pray for God to bless you? And relationships do develop. And these drive-bys become more authentic and more real, and people get to know each other. One time there was a new guy behind the counter and I walked in there and I was getting my sandwich and I said, hey, you're new here. Yeah, I am. I said, I believe in a God who blesses. How could I pray for God to bless you? And he said, this is crazy. You're like the fifth person to ask me that. <laughs> and that's when I knew it's getting in the water. And I said, well, yeah, we're just, we're just some guys up the street over at Christ Church. You know, come join us. Come hang out with us. We, we really do believe in a God who blesses. Do you believe in a God who heals? You know, how about going up to a buddy, when, even a stranger, when the Lord gives you the opportunity? Is I believe in a God who heals. How can I pray for God to heal you? And all too often, this is my third point, as far as how we walk this out, sowing seeds of the kingdom. All too often, we stop short. And we'll end whatever kind of encounter the Lord's given us like this. You know, maybe the, the friend is sharing something about marriage. Or maybe the friend is sharing something about an issue in life. And it's a raw spot. And it gets awkward. And we say, I'll pray for you. And, and what we're really saying is, this has gotten a little awkward and weird. And I'm just ready to kind of end it. So that's our transition point. Hey, I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll keep you in prayer. I realized in, in my own walk, I was doing this so often and, and it was so I could get on to the next thing or extricate myself from this conversation. And sometimes I would remember to pray and sometimes I wouldn't. So I made a deal with God and I, I made a deal with, with the church I serve in South Carolina. I, well, it sounds like this. What would it look like if we refused to say that ever again? Hey, I'll pray for you. What if we refused to say that unless we had first prayed for that person? What would it look like? So in seeds of the kingdom. So the situation presents itself. And the opportunity is there. And the spirits kind of stir in your soul and you say, Can I pray for you? And the friend says, Absolutely. And you say a simple prayer. And then you look this friend in the eye and you say, and I'm going to keep praying for you. It's radically different. We're talking about sowing seeds of what? The kingdom. I'm going to close with this. When you think of the kingdom of God, don't think of a place. Don't, don't, don't think of some kind of Disney World castle. And never, never land. In the kingdom of God, whatever that is. When you hear kingdom of God, when you hear seeds of the kingdom... 
when Jesus is saying the kingdom looks like this. I don't want you to think of a place. I want you to think of the rule and reign of the Most High God. We say the prayer just about every Sunday. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What are we saying? Let your rule and reign be manifest right here, right now, as it is in heaven. And how, church, how is he going to do that? He can do it any way he wants to. He chooses to do it incarnationally. He chooses to do it in and through what he calls the body. He, He chooses to do it through us. As we sow seeds of the kingdom, loving, blessing, serving, forgiving, pushing back the darkness. It's not going to happen if we don't do it. And when we do do it, the world sees the body of Christ. The world sees the church as it should be. Not some safe, sanitary, institutional club. But this radical, dangerous, extended, bias for action, bias for love. It's contagious. And that's when revival happens. That's when it gets in the water and and people start saying, I want some of that. How can I be a part of that? Amen. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, we thank you for your word that encourages us and instructs us. Father, we thank you for the the seeds that you give us to sow into a, a lost and hurting world. Seeds that bring life, seeds that bring fruit, seeds that bring healing and restoration and salvation and joy. Lord, show us who to love today. Give us the courage to love today. Give us courage to speak your truth with love and get the glory. I pray for kingdom encounters. I pray for intentional kingdom encounters at Hope Church. I pray for even more drive-bys, just random acts of kingdom. And Father, I pray that you would deliver us from from ever looking a friend in the eye and dismissing them with the phrase, hey, I'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Be glorified in this place. We pray it in Christ's name.